You're listening to Healthcare Now Radio. Stand by for this just in the latest in healthcare innovation and technology trends with your HIT advisor, Justin Barnes. Thank you for tuning in and welcome to This Just In. I'm your host, Justin Barnes. In these half hour segments, I'll bring you the latest advancements in healthcare, strategy, innovation, and public policy. As always, we're broadcasting from the This Just In studios on the Business Radio X network, as well as the Healthcare Now radio network. For this episode, my 105th episode, we're going to speak to a good friend and industry thought leader, Tom Foley. Tom's director of worldwide health solutions and strategy for Lenovo Health, as well as co founder of the Health Innovation Think Tank. Welcome back to the show, Tom. Thank you very much. Good to be here. Good to talk to you, Justin. Yeah, it's great to have you on air again. We always have a lively conversation. Um, certainly a lot uh, a lot in common, and I couldn't be more excited to, uh, to kicking off another Think Tank uh, session with you. So, uh, yeah, and we're really going to have a special show today. Um, usually we cover... Uh, a lot of great content on, on specifically on, on one company or what you know corporate strategies are are occurring around the industry and the best practices there or some really cool innovations. But we're going to couple a lot of that all into one show uh, and kind of cool like a broad swath across a lot of companies that participate in our uh, in our think tank. Um, and again, we have our we have our uh, second one scheduled uh, in a little bit um, at uh, UPMC in partnership with the Center for Connected Medicine. But uh, but uh, let's start off, Tom, with a little bit of background of where the think tank came from, because it came from really a, a brain trust uh, that you had um, uh, at last year's HIMSS. So let's kick off there. Yeah, uh, good question. So you know, we're always talking with uh, clients and the and the broader market about need and you know where the puck is going. Mm-hmm. And there was a lot of and when we talked to clients about innovation, you know. The, Typically, the inhibitor was who's going to pay for that, and who's going to support that, uh, and uh, and and we need policy change. Mm-hmm. Telehealth is a perfect example, right? Yep. Great, great innovation, necessary for to achieve value-based care, in my opinion, uh, reducing costs, increasing the value, moving the uh, setting of care to the home. But the, there's a lot of policy and a lot of other uh, other aspects that were were necessary. So actually, it was on your show then when you had in, interviewed me at Hims, yeah. where we were talking about you know, needing to create a construct of on a forum of thought leaders in healthcare, bringing the vendors together, bringing policymakers together, bringing the payers in, and really, and also bringing pharma in. Yeah. And let's have a discussion on well, how do we move the continuum for forward? How do we influence policy? relative to uh, the acceleration of a value-based care model. Uh, individual health systems can, could potentially do it on their own, and that's great, but there's a larger market out there that uh, wants to get there too, yeah. may not have the wherewithal or the, um, uh, or the influence that a, that a larger health system might have. So, you know, let's help guide them on what it takes to let's let's put some uh, let's help create the influence to make policy changes and let's collaborate with other IT vendors and uh, and health systems to help facilitate um, uh, a path forward 
ultimately it comes down to, you know, what and defining best practices on how, how we got there. Uh, and so others can leverage that to uh, to move the ball forward in their respective uh, neighborhood. Yeah, I mean, you, you're spot on. I mean, we talk a lot of the industry comes together in silos. So if your health systems, you may collaborate amongst other health systems and in uh, vendors and innovators tend to have their associations and in collaborate. And there's certainly some co- cross collaboration. But I think what you and I really saw out there is that there's not a collaboration that cuts through all of these key stakeholders and all of these collaborations and bring them all under one roof. And so, like you said, we have health systems, we have innovators, we have true key thought leaders, we have policymakers, we have payers, we brought in pharma, we brought in everybody into one room. And, and again, this is, a, this is a think tank style. So, I mean, it's, it's everybody in there, there are experts in their own right and experts in their own field and have a lot of uh, just knowledge, wisdom, and inherent best practices that they work from every single day. So let's get in a room and let's share that and keep that ecosystem small. We kept it to 50 people. We had our very first one back in June, yeah. um, actually at Lenovo's headquarters in North Carolina. And, uh, and now we're gonna have our next one at UPMC in Pittsburgh. But um, you know, I, I think the key is keeping it small, keeping it intimate from a standpoint of people feel comfortable to speak up. You're not speaking in front of a thousand people, no matter who you are. Sometimes you get nervous in front of a thousand or even 500 people, but we give it to 50 real key thought leaders in key constituencies inside of their respective um, world. And, uh, and it's been, a, it's just been tremendous. Yeah. And, and a key differentiator and what I love about the think tank is, and with no disrespect to how uh, conferences run and things of that nature, you know, conferences, you have a keynote speaker and they stand up and speak and everybody else listens. You have a panel discussion and the panel uh, speaks uh, their different opinions, but, and everybody else listens here. Everybody speaks. We, you know, we do have catalysts that kick off a conversation, give a perspective but yet then the other 49 participants yeah. in the room actually get to contribute. Ultimately, it's that collaboration uh, and that deep thinking uh, in that tank that, uh, that ultimately gets us, uh, gives us the ability to move the ball forward. Very true. So we started off, we have three main or core themes, value-based care, connected health, and virtual care. And why don't we set up the show? I mean, I think really it would be great to set the stage for our audience and really begin because we, we, to be honest, Tom, you and I don't know exactly where this think tank is going to go. We know we have a tiger by the tail. We know we have a ton of interest. We know there's a lot of people looking forward to seeing what best practices this core group um, will create uh, and and we are creating. uh, And I I actually think, you know, we'll do this event at UPMC. I believe we'll do uh, our third event at HIMSS 18 annual conference in Las Vegas come uh, the first week of March. Um, but let's uh, let's dive in and give everybody a little bit of a taste of, of some of the um, key takeaways, I think, from the first session. Because I think really those key takeaways we're going to build on uh, and build from for the second one that's coming up. But, uh, but let's talk a little bit about uh, the key takeaways. So let's start off with value-based care. And again, just for our audience, the three main core themes and strategies for the think tank right now are value-based care, connected health, and virtual care. So let's talk about some of the key takeaways. We have some great, you know, just great cross-collaboration. Value-based care is front and center for everyone uh, in healthcare that certainly wants to, to, uh, to not only survive, but to truly thrive, uh, you know, come even this year, but, but certainly moving forward. So 
want you lead us into some of those key takeaways, Tom, around value-based care that uh, that we saw in the first think tank. Yeah, you know, the, the number one takeaway in the value-based care uh, segment was uh, some efforts and some comments that Holly Miller was leading. Uh, and, you know, it was around, you know, this isn't around technology. It, yep, there's a technology influence. There's no doubt about it. However, you know, her belief, and I believe it was the consensus of the, uh, of the think tank, that 80% is really around process. Right. And it's 20% really around technology, and and then and then the culture around that. Uh, so, how do you build that culture uh, that leverages the right processes and uh, and uh, and you know that 20% technology mix that moves all forward as well? This is not. This cannot be done. Value-based care cannot be done in a vacuum in the context of what a healthcare system is doing. If you don't have a true patient-centered care model driving value from a patient's perspective, you're never going to achieve a value-based care model. Not going to happen. Yeah. No, so true. And I think I, I loved because she started off. She, you know, Dr. Miller really kicked it off well with the. She called it the eighty-twenty rule. And so, needless yes. to say, we all we all kind of perked up because um, we know the eighty-twenty rule in a lot of markets and a lot of discussions. But uh, yeah. 80% process, 20% technology, and 100% culture. And uh, from, you know, you and I are in this every single day, knee deep. And we certainly, that rang, you know, that rang true for us and what we knew to be true. And the other one I think that she brought up, or at least was, was brought up as one of the key takeaways, was the misalignment between acute and ambulatory incentives. Yeah. And I think, I think that's something that I know uh, Dr. Price and HHS continues to look at that. Um, they understand there's an issue there. Um, and we need to just keep an eye on. That was kind of the policy perspective that arose, at least from that first discussion. We really do need to give people a glide path from fee-for-service into value-based care um, and, and not be scared. And, I, and I, I, I really do believe the quality payment program, you know, MACRA, MIPS, the QPP, uh, that really is beginning to align some of those incentives. But I think what we got from the room is there's still a lot of um, – fear uh, from the QPP and, and moving forward with MIPS and the different in the various programs. However, when you really dive into MIPS, it is still 95% fee for service. It is not yeah. a dramatic shift. It is 95%. And no one would say that's, that's a significant of anything. It's 95%. I mean, significant in the direction that you were going. It's only 5%. Right. Um, you know, new, right, new and, and ultimately yeah. the uh, the alignment between acute and ambulatory. You know, again, not everybody really goes to the hospital, uh, so you know it's it, there has to be this correlation between the two. I think the the issue was more of as we talked about during the value based care session. It's really about covering the care gap. Mm -hmm. It's that it's that eight thousand seven hundred sixty hours in a given year versus the fifteen hours that the average Medicare patient with five different doctors or ten different doctors spends in front of a uh, spends in front of them uh, on a given year. The difference between the two numbers is the care gap. So if we're going to close and if we're going to close it, we have to focus on the patient, uh, hence the patient-centered care model and how what happens. It's more important, I would say. That it's more important for what happens when you're not in front of the doctor right? versus when you are in front of the doctor. When you're in front of the doctor, things are going to happen. Right. But the doctor 
The only doctor that can actually heal you is a surgeon. Uh, a, a general practitioner can only advise. The patient has to engage and follow right. uh, and, engage, uh, and, 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 and work towards that care plan. Other than that, we're never going to achieve, uh, again, that, um, that, that sense of wellness. Classic, classic model of uh, 30 to 50 percent, depending on the study that you listen to. You know, p- patients don't fill their scripts. It's simple. It's, that simple model is, geez, I've gone to the doctor. I got diagnosed. I, the doctor gave me a script, but, you know, I'm not going to go to the pharmacy and fill it. Well, yeah. And so well, you, I spent all that money. Yeah, you're spot on. It's, it's, it's certainly getting to the true wellness, but also we, you know, we need to engage right. that from a, to really bend that cost curve. You know, we've got to yeah. begin bending this cost curve. So you bring up a great segue into our next key topic and key strategy is connected health. And some of those. So go ahead, walk us through some of those key takeaways. I know we had a lot. I mean, that was that was obviously a big conversation as well. Um, but yeah, walk us through some of those from a high level. Well, the uh, the issue here is that we have a patient uh, that traverses the continuum of care mm-hmm. and sees many different doctors. As I just gave in that example, the average Medicare patient has five chronic conditions, sees nine different doctors. They may not all be in that health system. And they and they and they go from the hospital to their cardiologist to their general practitioner. How do we how do we share that data? How do we create this connected ecosystem uh, in order to achieve that level of success? And 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 how do we know that one record coming from a system A or, or I'll just say EHRA is is, is mapped to a, a this, uh, the same patient in another. Uh, health system with a different EHR, mm-hmm. and one of the things that uh, that came out was that you know the whole patient ID and matching the system uh, is is stated to be an imperative uh, by the think tank, and having some open APIs and uh, infrastructure on how do we better share uh, that data. Uh, ultimately, uh, that drives. Uh, a, a, a drastic difference in just the being able to better manage the data. One patient, one identity, one record across the continuum of care. We're going to be able to make better clinical decisions and and move that uh, that patient uh, towards wellness. And then the uh, some other uh, elements uh, that they have here is uh, you know again it goes back to uh, value based care, patient interaction with the healthcare system. Uh, not to be linear. Uh, it's a circular, continuous, and, and com- uh, complex uh, flow. So uh, we need to make sure that both parties are engaged in that um, that effort. The, one of the, um, just uh, looking through the list here and just picking out some of the the highlights. Um, you know, uh, um, transparency in terms of connected health. You know, uh, quality of the provider and the organization is needed. Um, how, how will the patients uh, compare the cost uh, so that they can, you know, I'm not always a believer that, you know, cost is the underlying factors, but I'm certainly cognizant uh, of uh, people's uh, challenge in, in covering their portion of the, uh, of the delivery of care. So uh, cost is always an important factor on how they engage their health system and their, um, to be able to achieve that wellness. So. So there's uh, and then the, the the other part is that you know if the home truly is going to become the setting of care, which it is, I think everyone <laughs> yeah. has, has agreed to. Yeah. Uh, then how do you? What is 
and this is where we're going to dive a little deeper in the uh, in the in the second uh, think tank. Yeah. How? What is an intelligent medical home? What do you need? And how do you collect vital information in the home, engage them, and communicate uh, that data to the respective care team? Because the bigger challenge here, again, policy change, uh, is I got all this data now, but my physician doesn't want to see it um, because of data fatigue and alert fatigue and things of that nature. So how do you create these interceptors that the patient is given at least guidance on, hey, I just took my blood pressure. Is that Was that good or or was that bad? And what should I do? Um, so being able to provide a, a health coach, if you will, and 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 have the health systems be able to you know provide some uh, analytics on top of that, or some of the things that uh, we need to work through that those workflows, and and what what technology makes uh, best sense to facilitate that that connected ecosystem. Yeah, and one of the ones, and you bring up, that you actually transitioned right to a great point for me. Um, out of that second session, that Connected Health session, the key takeaway, risk stratification, um, supportive technology, and, pro and process redesign really are our key success factors. And that Han Frank, uh, Han Hank Fanberg brought that up from Christus Health. And mm -hmm. um, I, I agree, you've really got to look in to understand what populations you're going to use, what technologies, and then how are you going to implement that across your organization with that population? It's not just about, you know, using a new wearable um, across a sub subset of patients. You really need to look in there, understand what patient, what basically, uh, you know, what pool or population um, is going to be best suited for this technology, this innovation. And then how can we implement that within the protocols that we in the workflows that we already use and have? or can update here at our institution. There's a lot to it. I think that's when you really look at your population, you look at what is the best innovation to use, and how can we update or redesign our processes um, to maximize the, uh, the outcome here. I think that's a really good kind of one, two, three punch that, that Hank and, and Christus does, and I think it's a great strategy. Yeah, I, you know, the fundamentals there are, if we're gonna transform the delivery of care, the word redesign is is an absolute, mm -hmm. as opposed to as opposed to saying we've been doing this for years. It's been right. working. It, it does. It may work today, but it's not going to work when you know I, I've been doing a lot of uh, research on the the concept of a bedless hospital. Yeah. Um, so think about that in the context of every hospital system today. They they manage success by, by maximizing right. the oh, yeah. occupancy of their beds, and in tomorrow, you know, to, uh, tomorrow uh, I'm, I'm going to be meeting with uh, Dr. Jack from Boston Medical Center on uh, on Monday, and you know, there, his view is that in the future is that the hospital manages success when the beds are empty. Right. So what is that bedless hospital, and how do we deliver care in that particular model? That's ultimately the vision that the folks in the think tank are, are striving towards. It's not going to be done in a day, not going to be done in a year. Right. Uh, but we're here to paint that roadmap and, and what are the incremental steps to ultimately achieve that level of success? Yep. No, I agree. And one last piece here on the connected health aspect is people are looking at gaming and gamification to see how can we enhance usability and engagement. So for innovators, you're really, if you're not looking Outside of just health IT and healthcare, you could be really losing something and certainly on, on having the, the stickiness. Gaming and, and, and kind of the whole virtual aspects of reality and, and technology 
is one of the fastest growing, if not the fastest growing market right now globally. And you really got to look at how gaming and gamification of technology can assist you in the usability of your products and certainly really get that engagement. Because again, you and I just talked about it several times, without patient engagement, you are not going to get there. So, yeah, and, and, and the clarity of patient engagement is we always talk about if the hospital system is moving from volume to value, the patient has to move from awareness to wellness, yeah. and that is an educational process. Education creates uh, that awareness. Awareness creates action uh, to be more educated and then and allows them to move to, towards that, pro, uh, that degree of wellness that uh, uh, both parties are looking to achieve. Yep. So actually, we're running low on time here. We still we got virtual care to go through. We've only got about five minutes left in the show. So I know we, we, we probably need to do a couple more shows on this. But um, but the third uh, strategy that we're focusing on in the think tank. And again, the reason why we're doing this show is begin to get these key success factors and these key strategies out there. We will publish all this. Certainly look at uh, look to us for the health innovation think tank. And we're going to begin publishing all of these. But let's talk about here about virtual care. I know it's near and dear to your heart. It's near and dear to my heart. So uh, in a couple of minutes here, cover some of the top uh, key takeaways, Tom, from our first think tank on virtual care. Well, here's where we wrap up and we you know, take all the information that we talked about with virtual care, connected care. It all culminates in what is virtual care. Uh, and, and ultimately, it's about uh, this is where legislative uh, action may be needed. This is where payers need to jump in and start seeing the reality of, of its value and reimburse it across the board with no inhibitors. Uh, and uh, and ultimately, you know, if I if I have this connected care system, I, I'm collecting data, I'm sending data. The the last part of the equation is being able to engage that patient, not to be able to call the health system uh, up and say, hey, uh, my blood pressure is really high, I think I need to come in, right. uh, or my sugar is really high, I think I need to come in. Oh, and by the way, the next appointment that I have is three weeks from now. That doesn't work. So to be able to immediately engage in you know, that that patient in that home uh, is key. So, you know, and that ultimately works towards uh, reducing readmittance uh, uh, and, um, and and another, um, and other uh, costly uh, elements uh, of the delivery of care. Yeah, keeping that patient, again, in the home, being able to be managed uh, effectively and efficiently. They, 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 they want that experience. Um, unfortunately, we have uh, major inhibitors on uh, achieving that at the present time. Yeah, Matt, we, and we do. We have certainly health systems haven't quite understood how to best implement it. They certainly don't know how to get paid for it. We have uh, federal laws that are in the way. We have state laws in the way. We have federal reimbursements that haven't caught up. We have state reimbursements. So, yeah, we really do have a morass of, of issues to kind of wade through. However, you and I and, and thousands of other people really do know that this is the future. This is how we're going to um, provide care, but also how we're going to be cared for and how we're going to engage our care. I mean, just really, you know, the, the opportunity for, for increased health, increased in overall wellness uh, is certainly there if we're engaging these new technologies and these innovations appropriately. I mean, we have massive doc shortages coming I, mean, I think the number that was thrown up, I think Dr. Sylvan Waller put this out there, who was our opening catalyst for the virtual care session, 99,000 doctor shortage by 2025. Longer wait times, much higher deductibles, um, but yet we all use these technologies, and so we've got to leverage them to begin to offset uh, some of the pressures that are coming. 
Yeah, at the end of the day, the, the macro trends are consistent globally. We have a growing population, an aging population, a, sick, a sicker population in context of contracting more and more chronic conditions. And we don't, regardless of payment models, it isn't bending the cost curve. All that coupled with the fact that we have less physicians and less nurses available to treat that older, aging, sicker population is, in fact, the center of the problem and ultimately the reason why the model needs to change. How do we become more efficient to create, uh, to provide equal to or better than value of care uh, at, at, a, at, a, at a reduced cost or at least maintain current cost levels without uh, uh, steep inclines? Yeah, no. Excellent. Well said. So it transitions us into our next, uh, our last couple of minutes here. Um, so we will certainly publish out. I'm sure you and I will do a show here in the next month or two. On our, on our second think tank, um, just very excited, kind of the think tank structure. Not only we publish our best, uh, best practices and, and key findings, but what's really neat about this is we always have 50 people. We invite 25 back from the, uh, from the previous session, and then we invite 25 new people, and we keep on doing this. And that way, our best practices, we keep continuity between each one, but then also we're always layering in 25 new people. So, you know, 50% of the audience in, in the group, the think tank, will be new. So we're going to get new best practices and then keep on building from what we've already learned, adding on new. And so, you know, after two or three of these, we're going to have one heck of a stable of best practices for healthcare across value-based care, connected health, and virtual care. So tell us, you know, in, in 30 seconds or so, you know, some of the next things for uh, our next think tank, Tom, that you're most excited about. Uh, I am most excited about in diving deeper into best practices and potential use cases yeah. on how do we deliver a connected care, value-based care model. Defining, potentially defining, there's some uh, new participants in this uh, think tank that have the ability to actually define what a intelligent medical home looks like and, and with simplicity uh, that, able, that is able to transmit that data and engage that patient uh, using AI-type uh, tools. Uh, I'm very excited to have that con this conversation with the, with the think tank. Wow. That's one heck of a cliffhanger to, uh, to leave us on, my friend. But thank you, Tom Foley, Lenovo Health, co-founder of the Health Innovation Think Tank, along with me. Um, great to have you on the show. I appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule to join us. Um, and, uh, and thank you to everyone for listening and joining us today. Please tune in weekdays at 2.30 p.m. Eastern, 11.30 a.m. Pacific. As always, you can track me on Twitter at HIT Advisor and use the hashtag ThisJustIn so we can respond to your comments from the show. In addition, all my content will be posted at JustinBarnes.com. Thanks, everyone. Have a terrific week, and look out for all these health innovation think tank uh, best practices coming your way.